Okay, so Money on My Mind is the, the name of this, this episode. So you may have got the teaser in the, uh, the newsletter. And money, we, we're always talking about money. Um, some people say it makes the world go round. Others say it must be funny in a rich man's world. And some say get your money for nothing and your chicks for free. Money's, <laughs> money is constantly coming up. And we talk about money almost as if it's an end in itself rather than, than a means to an end. And we worry about not having enough of it or we worry about spending too much of it. But what if money was a tool that we can use when we're trying to answer that question of what pleases him? So that's what we're going to jump on into a, into a second. But let's just do a quick recap of what we've got to so far. So we're doing the... the the spirit of adventure, the normal radical, and we're called to live our normal lives radically. And this series is about rediscovering the values that we have built this church on and taking the opportunity and having the permission to, re, uh, to deconstruct and reconstruct the expressions of those values. So the first session, um, we kind of had a bit of an introduction and we looked at the video of the, the parody of the modern-day church, and we said, what's, what's good about that? What's wrong about that? How does it compare to us? We had a little bit of a trick on you guys with the fake newsletter and the, the reaction that caused, because some of those things didn't fit with our values. And then we, we introduced a section called Story Time. Then last week, we were looking at a title of Whose Crown Is It Anyway? And you may remember... Um, this little game that we were playing. All of humanity were given crowns. Crowns represent the power to please. So God gave us all the power to please. And the question is, what did we do with that crown? Because there's some guys in the Bible that laid that crown down. They handed it over. And therefore, they made their lives about answering the question of what pleases him. So that's the question that we've got to ask ourselves if we're going to be part of this current series of re deconstructing and reconstructing. Otherwise, we'll be just like the monkeys that just do what they've learned to do without knowing the reason behind it. But when you give up your crown, it puts you in a situation that you might have to do stuff you don't want to do. And we looked at some of the things that we didn't want to do last time. But when we do make that choice we see that we are empowered to live a surrendered life. God makes it easy to live the way that he wants us to live. Now, just a quick recap on some definitions. We're talking about values, which are our guiding principles, such as serving. And we're talking about expressions, which is the application of those, those values. So, for instance, the setup team steward in children's work. The value always stays constant, but the expression can vary. All right, before we jump into this next one, Dad, you wanted to say something? I was listening carefully, but my mind just sort of... I mean, I can do two things at once, you know. I'm a man, I can multitask. And uh, I thought, what's missing? We haven't had any testimonies today about adventure. Well, I know Lorraine's away, but... We could still manage it, yeah? So come on, guys, let's, let's keep that up. Keep them coming back, feeding in. Now, I'm very impressed with the different ways that we're communicating uh, 
So I felt I needed to come up with something different. So I've got a poem. <laughs> Money speaks. I can't deny. Mine stood up and said goodbye. <laughs> yeah. That's about the best I can do. <laughs> Money, Jesus spoke about more than anything other than the kingdom of heaven when he was on earth. It's a temperature gauge, shows on the outside what's happening on the inside. When we started out, one of the most radical things was the attitude and the way of handling money. Now, I, I, I'm not going to get into that detail right now. That's when we started out. Actually, today is probably more radical than ever. It's not only radical in terms of this world, it's radical in terms of what is called the church. In a day when, not so much probably in this country, but a lot of the world is being swamped with this erroneous doctrine, give in order to get, that's causing particularly in poor countries such hardship and pain and such false ideas. A time when the whole idea is squeeze as much money as you can out of people. Time when false prophets are paid to prophesy. I'm talking about in the so-called church. What we do, what we believe, is actually more radical than ever. And I believe part of what God wants is to raise up and continue to raise up a living example of accurate representation of him on the earth against the backdrop of all the kind of corruption, all the mishandling, whether it be in or out of the so-called church. We have that opportunity to live in that way. We have to understand what God wants and gain his power to actually uh, operate according to him. That's what, we're, that's what we're looking at this time. Do you know, it's as much, if not more than an adventure, if we really pursue that, than even when we started out and it was, it was so radically different. We may touch on that later. Okay, so we've got our first... Uh, we, today we're going to have some uh, videos. We're going to have a live survey. Um, we're going to um, have some more story time. And we've got our special preacher of uh, Phil Ackerman with us today. So um, we've got a lot for you, but... Let's go to our section of Taught on Camera. This is where we are, uh, we've got a spy going around capturing some people's thoughts on the subject. And so each presentation we'll have an opportunity to hear some of these things. And I want you to think, would you have said it like that? Did they say something that you disagreed with? Or did they say something you hadn't thought of saying? What is the point of typing? It's a starting point for giving what we have to God because everything we have comes from Him. Tithing is to give what 
God has asked us to give. It's a practical demonstration of your love for God, giving back to him. A conviction of giving, you're giving it as a wholehearted thing without expecting anything back. To give sacrificially. Because Paul says to put aside an amount of money in proportion with your income. And because everything that we have comes from God anyway. Everything I have comes from God. Tithing is a discipline that reminds me. What comes to mind when you hear the phrase, rich Christians? People in America with lots of money. <laughs> sort of worshipping God to get lots of wealth. Rich Christians. Cliff Richard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God's blessed them and hopefully they're using some of that wealth that God is directing them to. We may not be rich in this fellowship, in money terms that is, but we're rich in the blessing of God. Generosity. I think you can be rich and still give generously. There is such a thing as a rich Christian. You can be rich materially, you can be rich immaterially, but it's about sharing out that wealth amongst the community and with the church. For me, like as a rich Christian, it's me knowing God, but if you're rich, you know God. I would like to think rich in spirit, rich in love and rich in the life as well and how that's expressed in the church and in the world. We are rich in the relationships we've got with people rather than money. Okay, so some thoughts there. You might have agreed, you might have disagreed. I don't know, I'd sell my friendships for money any day, but okay. Okay, so from that we jump straight over into our questionnaire when I survey. Do you, do you want this one then? Okay, Jamie's got some really excellent questions which are going to appear on the screen and we get a chance to look at the question and answer them. But he set me the task of making it a little bit more exciting than just reading a question and answering it. Come on, Anthony, he said, let's, uh, let's do this in a... So, yeah, something like that. Who wants to be a millionaire? You remember the point in the game where you can ask the audience? Okay? We're going to do that. You remember a question appears and there are several options and the audience chooses the option. We're going to do that. And everybody can see the question and have a go at answering. But for some of you, and I'm looking particularly in the middle black section here, these guys have got the twitches. They've not touched their smartphones in ooh, like 55 minutes since they last touched their smartphone. But come on, get it out now. Get your smartphone out. Everybody, if you have a smartphone, if you haven't, don't worry. You can still join in. If you have a smartphone, get it out now. Unlock it. Right, we're going to do this together. This is going to be a first. And you can make me look good or you can make me look like a Muppet. <laughs> But it's not about me. So let's do this together. I need, listen, you've got to follow me carefully now. All right? Follow me carefully. You've got your smartphone. It's unlocked, yeah? This is what we're going to do. Right. <clears throat> 96 of us playing. Okay. The questions are going to come up now. Or if you keep an eye on your phone, you'll get some uh, large colored, you know, answer A, B, C, or D. And so when you see the question come up on the screen, you can all see the question, you can all mutter under your breath the answer, but keep it quiet really because we want to see what people say and you'll get the live results on screen, okay? And then we'll pause and Jamie and we'll have a quick look at the results. The first two questions are to get you in the swing of things, all right? 
Let's do it. First question. I'll read it to you as well. Finish the quote. Shall I compare thee to the back of a bus on money supermarket to a summer's day to anything at all because nothing compares to you? Okay. Six seconds left. Only 33 of you managed to put an answer in. What happened to the other 60-odd of you? What were you doing? It's not a hard question, that one. Okay. Sinead O'Connor will do. It's not going to be easy, this journey. Right, the answers. So, shall I compare thee to a summer's day is the winner with 29 votes. And we had uh, someone said to the back of a bus, someone said on Money Supermarket, and we had two Sinead O'Connor fans. If the tech fails us at this point... (laughs) It has all been tested, it's just not been tested with a hundred of us at once. We're back. Are you ready? Next test question, here we go. Outcast, they're a band, popular music combo. Advise me to shake it like a rattle, a polarised picture, a clenched fist. I just don't care. There's a deliberate mistake in there as well. Oh, I've got to, I've got to do my vote. Two seconds left. Oh, I'm too slow. All right. We got a few more of you answering that time. It's actually a Polaroid picture, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so, I thought so. All right. Well, we're creaking along here. Right, those are your two practice goes. Are you with it, Don? She's on it. Right, you got the hang of this. Right, we got some money questions coming. <clears throat> It's coming, it's coming, don't worry, we'll get there. My most common thought about money is that I always want more, red. It worries me, blue. It does more harm than good, yellow. I have more than enough, green. So what happened there, as you probably saw, is it timed out. Um, so only the very quick ones got their votes in. But let's just pause there, because let's not make it about the technology. Um, <clears throat> just, we'll just go over there. Okay. So there's the full question for those of you who didn't quite see it. My common thought about money is that I always want more. Three honest people voted red. It worries me. Three more said that. It does more harm than good. Nobody said that one. I have more than enough was the most popular one. Okay, we only had a few votes on that one. So that was the first question. I believe God will provide for my needs, but not for my luxuries. Ooh, look. 
That was about evens. Did you see that? Those of you who got in quickly, that was about evens. I believe God will provide for my needs, but not for my luxuries. About even. There you go. Right, let's see. I've never thought about offering petrol money to people who give me lifts. Is it true for you or not true? I've never thought about offering petrol money to people who give me lifts. If it's true for you, tap red. Otherwise, blue. All right, you, you've overwhelmed the system. The test, the test worked. You saw what was happening. Um, clearly, it just can't cope with 100 of us at the same time, which is a real shame. Um, but we've got the uh, questions anyway, which Jamie will take you through. Okay. that's what matters. Well, it was worth a go. Only took four minutes to prepare for anyway. Um, <laughs> thanks, Lynn. <laughs> okay, so... Some of the other questions were, um, when I've given to people or helped people out financially, they've taken advantage of me, so I don't help those type of people out anymore. Is that true for you? Is that not true for you? Um, I'm up to date with my tithe. I don't tithe. Hmm. I'm not sure. Yes. I feel guilty because I've got so much more than others. True for me, not true for me. I feel uncomfortable when asked about my income, when asked about my spending, when I know I have more or less than the person. I don't feel uncomfortable at any point. I'm always looking for the next purchase. True for me, not true for me. So those are the questions, and we're just trying to get a kind of uh, anonymous straw poll of how we, how we feel about those various things. Um, but we would jump ahead to some scenarios. Okay, so in this scenario, I'm going to build it with um, one, two, three, four statements, and I'm going to ask you a question at each point. Now, if you are willing to repay the person, you remain standing. If you're not willing to repay, you sit down. So, everyone stand up. And here's the first part of the scenario. You borrow money from a friend and have agreed to pay back £100 per month over the next t- t- um, 10 months, which you can just about manage. S- remain standing if you do repay. Sit down if you don't repay. Okay. Um, PJ, grab, grab the... Um, okay, right. Uh, Jamie, you're standing up. Why, why would you repay? Because I've agreed to pay them back. I can manage as it says it can manage. Okay. Uh, Eureka Age? Where's Eureka? Gabrielle, why, why, why are you standing? 
Um, like Jamie said, because you've um, agreed to do it and you can do it, so you should. Okay. All right. Next one. But you confronted your friend, obviously the friend that lent you money, about a shady business deal um, he's about to get into, and the relationship breaks down. Do you repay or do you not? So remain standing if you repay, sit down if you don't. Okay, right. Sedi, you sat down. Why did you see, sit down? Because, like, um, it sounds like if it's a shady business, then you don't get that. She gets quieter and quieter. You could, you could put the mic in her mouth. I think because of the shady business bit, I think I would just stay out of it. So, so you, you, you don't want to associate with that person anymore. That even means that you're not even going to give them money. Okay. Jack, you just sat down. I uh, wouldn't really want to feed the temptation to go into that shady business deal. <laughs> okay, all right. So you think that he might use the money that you're repaying him to, to go into that. Um, Joshua, did you sit down? <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting down. <laughs> I didn't really understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, I don't have time to explain. <laughs> okay, so the next part. He goes ahead with the, with the shady business plan, uh, the, with the shady business deal, and makes lots of money. Do you repay? Stand, remain standing if you repay. Sit down if you don't repay. You go with, you go with what's true for you, mother. All right, all right we've got some set, setters down over there. Is that, is that Rianne? Because he's made lots of money, so why should I give him more money? <laughs> Might as well keep it. Okay. All right. And any other sit-downs? We got a sit-down over there. Oh, you're a stand-up, and you want to comment? Okay, go on then. <laughs> PJ, this isn't a chance for you to sit down. I'd pay him back and then hope God convicts him to give me some money. Okay, all right, okay. So you're kind of spiritually bribing him. Okay, all right, last one here. Your wife or husband has fallen ill and you now need to pay hospital bills, which you need about £100 a month to cover. Strange, that. Do you repay, stay standing, or... If you're not going to repay, sit down. Oh, okay. We got, we got David Garland over there, PJ, in the middle, towards the back. Dave Garland. I suppose, to be fair, we wouldn't probably have to pay hospital bills, but, um, yeah, in this country anyway. I don't know. I think that would be the priority for me. Um, although, I guess if he could kind of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> if he was the kind of guy that was into shady business deals, perhaps it would be more sensible to repay the money rather than... Because then I'd end up in the hospital. So. OK, very pragmatic. Um, who else? Mother, you're still standing. I'm, I'm shocked, but let's hear why you're still standing. <laughs> I always keep to what I say. OK. <laughs> And, and would you be begrudging in any way? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have any other sit sitters down? 
Okay, <laughs> Naomi over there. I've sat down, but I would like to speak with him first and see if I could like work out a deal whereby it could be reduced or whether he'd let me off for a period of time. So. Okay, all right, good. Um, Oscar, you're still standing. Let's hear from you. Why, why are you still standing? Because family's always priority. Then you should have sat down. <laughs> <laughs> when, when do you do your GCSEs? <laughs> We're going to have to help you read the question. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, Heather, I'm just interested in what you're going to say. <laughs> you're still standing. Why are you standing? First of all, I want to know why James has got shady friends and why he needed £1,000 in the first place. <laughs> um, I, I'm a bit scared. I'm, and I want to be the bigger person and give back the money. Why are you scared? Because he's dodgy, and if okay. I don't give back the money, then he might, I might end up in hospital. Right, okay, all right. Okay, good, thank you very much. Everyone, you can sit down. So that, that scenario, I would say probably three-fifths were still standing by the end. And um, I think that's quite... Radical. There would be lots of reasons um, to, to be able to step out. But it says in Psalm 15, verse 4, that a righteous man keeps his, keeps his oath even if it hurts. And that's one of the ways that we deal with money. It's, it's radical. But if we've made a promise, we have to choose to stick with that, no matter what the other person does. The other thing we see in this scenario is that God promises to be our provider... So knowing that he covers us means we're secure to act according to his requirement. If we seek first the kingdom, we can trust that he's got our back. And the way that he would want us to act is in, with integrity. It means that we can hold on to our ideals or our values even when it becomes inconvenient and others would be dropping them. We can't bring in conditions to suit us. And I think I would agree with, with Naomi on choosing to go back to the friends, explain the situation, and see if something else can be worked out. At that point, they might say, no, I want the original deal. And that would be tough. Sometimes we find that lending money brings tension into relationships. How can we avoid that? Is that okay? Is that natural that we should get tense when we owe money or someone owes us money? Okay. This next scenario, you're going to do it in, in groups of five or six people around you. And so I'm going to put it on the, on the screen, and we'll take a few minutes on it, and then if we've got time, we might do another one. So um, just pivot so you can talk to the people next to you. Here you go. Okay, right. <laughs> So, is Trudy wrong to want financial security? PJ, where's my mic, man? Okay, who, who wants to... And though that's, that's the question, we're going to try and draw out a few things from this, from this scenario. Okay, who, who, who's got an answer? 
Eureka Age, where, where are your hands? Okay, Josh, do you, do you understand where, what, what we're doing now? Okay. Um, I will tithe and trust God with my money. Okay, all right, all right. Strong answer, okay. Uh, I would say that, yeah, she's, she's not wrong to want financial security because if she hasn't got that much money left, she's kind of worried she could... A tithe is meant to be, you're meant to joyfully give. She shouldn't be giving more than she can afford unhappily. And if she does feel bad, then when she's in a better place financially, she can make up for it and give more. Okay, so you think she should tithe according to what she's got available? So, sorry. <laughs> you, shouldn't just, you shouldn't just tithe because you feel obliged to, like that's the rules, you have to do it. You should give joyfully, even if it's less, because it's, well, your heart. Okay, all right. Uh, thoughts on that? Steve. Well, I think I would hope that she would tithe because that's what's set down. But I was also saying I would hope that she would be in relationships where she can go to people in the church who could help her financially and she could know that if she needed money that there would be those who would give. I mean, it's also with I know it's God's provision, but also within the church, hopefully she will be supported. Okay. People that she can be honest about a situation with. Okay, good. Uh, Debbie. I would be looking for relationships in the church where I could talk about what I've got and help maybe even go back to the mortgage company and look for a lower rate mortgage, but look at what... My, where my money's going and then say okay God you are you know you're, you're the provider so here's the bit that you want me to give you and now I can't afford to buy clothes so Lord where can you know how are you going to provide for that so you, you get the you would put the tithe as the priority and then the things after that yeah right okay even over the mortgage uh, well yeah okay alright any other comments? Yes. Viva. Um, I would say we have to tie no matter what because the God didn't wrote in the Bible that we, can, we have to tie just when we can afford it. So if we make all about him, he's going to be all about us. Okay. All right. Yeah. So some, some interesting thoughts there. Uh, Neil. I found it really interesting to, to do this scenario after the last one because last time I stayed standing because I knew that I promised to pay the guy his £100 a month or whatever it was. When I looked at this one, immediately I, I saw it in a different way um, and yet actually I, I want to promise to give God my first tenth every month and that's, that's the promise that I've given. So why would I look at what's left after I've paid all my bills to see if I can afford to give him what I've promised. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it, last time I stayed standing, because there was no question in my head. But we actually also said, well, maybe I'll go back to the person I borrowed the money from to find out whether I could do a different deal. Mm. Actually, that's, that's what I'm going to do with God. Is I'm going to talk to him about this and talk to, talk to others about this and see what I should do in this circumstance because it can't be a rule it can't be a law mm -hmm. but at the same time I want to give it out of if I promise to do this thing I want to keep my, my promise to him don't mm -hmm. I and that, that to me is 
I'd never seen the parallel before. Yeah. But it's still, as I said in the group, it's still the bloke's money. Mm -hmm. Last time it was the bloke's money. In a sense, this is still the bloke's money. So I still got a. The bloke being the mortgage. Being God in this oh case. God! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, it's all our bloke's money. It's mm -hmm. all the father's money. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what it's about. Yeah, I love scenarios that, that they seem simple to begin with, but then kind of mess with your head a little bit. Yeah, I, th I think there's, there's a few things, and, and um, Phil's going to pick up um, on some, clearly laying out our principles, but I'll just remind us what we spoke about last time. What does he want? What pleases him? And that's got to be the first question we ask ourselves in any scenario in our lives. If he requires tithe, then that's what I do first. My heart attitude is part of living in a surrendered life, empowered to live in a surrendered life. You remember we said it last time. He can change my will. He can change my desires. So if I don't have a good heart attitude, it doesn't mean that I don't do what God wants. I do what God wants in faith, in believing, in crying out to God. Change my heart to make it in line with wanting to please you. I choose to please you. And I want my heart to come into line. But I can make the choice even before my feelings are there. The other thing we, we, we see is you don't have to need, things don't need to seem convenient to still obey. I still get to choose. Quite interesting, I forgot to pick it up on the last one. But there's reasons that we can end up doing what we think is right for the wrong motives. So just uh, go, jumping back to Heather's answer. Why would you stand by your word because I don't want to get beaten up. So it looks like the right answer, but the motive was not, do I, how do I please God? In the same way, when we looked at the newsletters, um, articles, we could all object to it and all agree that we should object to it, but we could have any other reason than pleasing God as part of that. Okay, we got time for scenario B. Let's jump to B. Okay, right. Let's, um, let's get some thoughts on... Paul's situation here. Um, Mike Man. Okay, who would like to comment on what are the principles that we see in play in this scenario? Yeah, you go. Oh, oh. Um, I think Paul's showing a very fixed view of where money is allocated. So it's that thing of, well, that money's for that sound system. So now that something else has come in, I've put that money for the sound system. Whereas that's not really listening out for God, because what if God says, rather than tie this month, I want you to give 90% of your money away. Mm -hmm. So it's that thing of, if Paul holds such a fixed view of how the money's allocated, that's not really allowing for flexibility for what God would say. Okay, good, good comment. Uh, Daniel? Right. Um, this, we had a great discussion on this, and we started to change it from a sound system to other things like school fees or different things. I didn't things. give you permission to I do know, that. I know, I know. But my first thing was he was a cheeky watch. He needed a slap around the back of the head. Um, but I think what it does show is the, it's interesting that he felt that that was his money, and yet the church could pay for him, um, and he could kind of tap into it. So <laughs> I, I, think it, I think we'll have a wonderful pastoral conversation on the back of that. So what, what pastoral conversation could you have on the back of it? Well, after I'd hit him, I, would, I think much, much the same. Sorry, PJ, does this feel familiar? Um, 
I think. <laughs> no, I think I think he's uh, he needs to be giving up, giving to God that money and offering it again. I I think one of the things we picked from the tithing conversation is that tithe is that first ten percent is the easy bit. It's the ninety percent we have to steward for God. It's all God's. And actually, that's, that's the attitude. It's not, this is mine, it's all God's. And I think that's part of the conversation that has to go on. Okay. <laughs> all, right, all right, Darren and Anthony. <laughs> so I think uh, one of the bigger issues here is the deception, kind of like what Daniel was saying, rather than what he's actually saving for. Um, so he's gone to these leaders and saying that he cannot afford to go, whereas that's not actually true. But if he's still thought you need to have the conversation about needing help with affording these costs, probably the sound system saving that money would come into that. Hey, all right, so we, we see, again, money is a temperature gauge of the heart. Why, why did he not admit what the money was for, and why did he talk about, I can't afford, where it was about priorities? I want to push back on all three of those comments. I think as a church we say to people, if this is going to be a problem for you, talk to us. And some guy here, Paul, comes forward and says, this is a problem for me. And he might be really genuine and honest, thinking, I can't afford this. We've got to be a bit careful to start imputing motives upon him and mm-hmm. what's he actually thinking and what's he actually doing here. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do that. He, as far as we know at this point, he's come forward and said, actually, I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And we should welcome that. And yes, we could help him in different ways and sure we'd want a conversation to find out where he's at in his thinking, but we shouldn't assume where he's at in his thinking initially. Okay, all right. Yes, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) I think the thing is about helping him as well when he comes forward to see that God is a good God who doesn't want us not to be able to have things that we've saved for and things that are important to us. It's, it's not about you can only do church things, and, but about believing that God wants the best for us. And that might mean you can have things that you want, but about being open and feeling mm. safe to be open about what's the whole picture. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's good. Um, we're going to do one more scenario that's going to be an audio one in a second, but let me just... Uh, so a couple of points that I saw when looking at this one. Um, we can be proactively saving for things that we've got coming up. And I read this book called um, When Helping Hurts. And in, in it, this, uh, the author had gone and studied a community giving program or community <laughs> bank in um, the Philippines. And he noticed that they refused to help someone who had fees for giving birth. I said, no, we're not going to help you out because you had nine months to prepare for it. I thought, whoa, that, that's harsh. And then they wouldn't help people out that were coming up to their electricity bills being due because they should have seen it coming. And it's quite interesting. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but there, we have the opportunity sometimes to think ahead. What have we got coming up? And not, not just wait until the bill hits us. And that's about not kind of... At stewarding what, what we have as well. Um, and the other thing was, um, yeah, recognising the importance of the community being together. So the holidays, would that take priority over a sound system? It's something to consider. Okay, right. We have an 
a radio show now for you guys to listen to. And when you listen to it, I think, again, the same thing. I want you to think through what, what are the issues or what are the values that we see in play here. And I'm going to particularly ask Eureka for the initial thoughts. Hello and welcome to What's Your Question? A phone-in for Christians who have questions about living a Christian life. Our first caller today is Derek Stubbings from Royal Tunbridge Wells in Kent. Good morning, Derek. Let's take your question. Good morning. <clears throat> well, firstly, I just read in the Daily Mail about Bishop Phillips from Grantchester, who it's reputed he spent £350,000 on his new house extension. Ooh, £350,000. Now, that's a lot of money, Derek. Yeah, well, some of us are trying to make ends meet. Especially after my tax deduction, my superannuation, my pet insurance, my tax relief, my subscriptions to Drone Monthly magazine, I hardly have anything left. OK, uh, Derek, so what is your question? Now, the other day, at 11.23am, I bumped into one of our church leaders in Harvey Nichols in the West End. And tell me, what were you doing in Harvey Nichols, Derek? That's quite beside the point. Church leaders do not belong there. And she clearly had a very large branded carrier bag. So what I want to know is, is it okay for Christians to shop in fancy West End stores? Jesus clearly lived a life of bleak poverty, so surely we should all be saving our pennies down at the pound shop. Because I've been in churches which are panelled with gold, with decorated iconography and all the rest of it. I'm, I'm appalled that some of our church leaders are swanning around in BMWs while the rest of us starve. And and are you starving, Derek? And another thing, I've now been told my church wants us to tie the portion of our income. Well, that's 10%. Who are they to tell me what to do with my money? And when and if I give it, what are they going to do with it? OK, Derek, so what exactly is your question now? Well, when I joined the church, they explained about tithing, and I thought it was optional. But, but when a leader asked a group of us whether we were tithing... I went bright red and I refused to answer. How dare he? It's none of their business what I do with my money. As it happens, I've been making long-standing donations to the Lifeboat Institute. And I'm not going to stop that any time soon. Well, thank you, Derek, for your thoughts today. And our next caller, please. OK, so lots of issues coming up in that call from Derek Stubbins. If you wondered who Derek Stubbins was before, there he is. <coughs> Um, we had to alter the name, otherwise you'd recognise Mum's voice. <laughs> right, OK, so Eureka, anything that Derek said that you agreed with or disagreed with? It's like French listening, isn't it? Like, listen to this audio and see what's going on. Any, any comments from anyone? Slap people? Slap him, slap Derek. Um, if you can find him. <laughs> no comments? You're gonna go on, go on, Seddy. I was going to say that um, the guy, I forgot his name. Derek. Yeah, um, when he was talking about the priest going to a fancy shop, I don't think it's wrong to treat yourself every now and then, um, but like... They can't, yeah, no, like, they, I mean, 
as long as it's their money, like they're not taking money from the church and saying it's going to charity and then spending it on BMWs, that's not what they're doing. Okay, so as long as they're not going straight from the offering and spending that in the Harvey Nichols. Okay, all right, yeah. Okay, the, the, the eldest member of Eureka there. Hi, um, I'm thinking that he hasn't got a relationship with the, with the church to believe that way, to see people that way and the pastors or, or the leaders. Because if he have a relationship and an understanding of where the money goes or what the church does or how the community works, he wouldn't react th this way. So, and that's unfortunately is poor relationship. Okay, so you see, see a limited relationship because is treating the, the leaders with suspicion and, and quite, quite judgmental, really. Yeah. I'm going to be a little bit controversial. I agree with what everyone said, but I think also our leaders are accountable as well and have a duty to not give the impression that um, the funds which they are just stewards of are being um, spent irresponsibly or in the wrong way. Okay, so they have a responsibility to ensure that they don't look like they're spending the money differently. Okay, is that controversial? Do people disagree with that? So they can't do it, they just don't look like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mir Miriam, are you commenting on that one? Yeah. In the Caribbean, oftentimes pastors get paid from the offering because they don't do anything else, and, and that's kind of like a salary. So it's really weird um, just listening to you know thoughts and opinions because um, where I'm from, I'm so used to that being the thing. You know, the pastor uses that's its salary. So you know, it's it's hard. People tend to have that same mindset, oh, why is he using our money to buy a BMW or go and shop in a fancy place? So, it's interesting. So, so you would agree that they have a responsibility to show that they're not using the money in that way? I'd, I'd say, yeah, that they, that they shouldn't be showing that. It's, it's a nice change here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Unfortunately, we can't take any more questions because... We are up to <coughs> Phil. Phil's going to lay down some of the principles. I don't know what's more embarrassing, the fact that both Jamie and I chose the same song to, uh, <laughs> as an introduction, but there we go. Right, I've got ten minutes, which isn't a, a long time at all, really, to go through and um, re-stress and unpack some of the principles that we've already begun to discuss today. Um, but I would suggest that you get hold of the notes, the teaching notes that we've got in Lifeline around finance and money because I found when I was preparing um, to go through this, I found it really, really refreshing for myself. And it's just a, a, a reminder that we've got a real wealth of teaching um, in, in the church here and uh, it's, it's really key to go through. So I guess the aim of this session really is to refresh that revelation for us all or maybe even for the first time if this is all new to you, um, ask God to bring that revelation around our right handling of money and finance. And I guess what, um, in the context of this series, 
It's about recommitting to a radical expression of how we use our money. And it all comes back, doesn't it, to that, that central point that everything we have is God's. The whole earth and everything in it belongs to him. And that's, that's the crux of it. That's where we're coming from on it. So we've talked about this idea of a temperature gauge um, a couple of times this morning. I think this is a, a great example um, of a practical outworking of our faith. You know, sometimes in the Bible it teaches about certain things like attitudes um, and internal positions, and we can get away with it because actually you can keep it hidden. But with money and our handling of money, there's always a practical outworking of it. We have to make choices to spend or not spend, to save or not save, to give or not give. And so why we say it's a temperature gauge, one of those things is it, it reveals something of the heart inside and we're forced into an expression of that, which I think is a really, really helpful thing. It brings it out into the open, or at least I think that's where we should have it. So it reveals our priorities, and it might be worth just taking a moment as we touch on this series to reflect on how we are spending our money. So look at what we're spending across our month, and what does that reveal to us about our priorities? Because most of us, I assume, unless you're robbing banks are going out to work and invest in your time and you're being given money for, for that investment. It's an expression of yourself. So when we give money, when we spend money, we're giving something from ourselves. but something that God has channeled to us. And so by spending money, we're revealing our priorities. What are you spending your money on? What does that reveal to you at this point about what you think is important? So that's a, a question. And it also reveals those attitudes and internal positions. Are we operating from faith um, or not? So, so why is money so important? Why is it such an important temperature gauge? Well, let's go to, to the Bible. I'm going to bring up uh, a number of different um, chapters and, and verses. Some of them you'll be very, very familiar with. So money really is incredibly influential about our values and our, our morals. So if we look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 9 to 9, 9 to 10. Um, I'll flick, flick there quickly. So, 9 to 10, it says here, uh, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with, with many sorrows. Okay? So it talks about its power to influence us at the very core. Now, another thing, another teaching that Jesus brings here, if we look in uh, Luke 16, I think this is, is really revealing. Luke 16, and it's verse 11. Luke 16, verse 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth... Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? I thought that's really, really interesting, isn't it? So there's a, a direct correlation with how God sees us in our handling of money and, and our ability to handle the true riches of heaven. So there's a connection. It's, it's not just physical. It's not just about um, a financial transaction. There's a link here to spiritual blessing and, and, and benefit. So money is very, very influential. 
Um, it also teaches in Luke 16, verse 13, that no one can have two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And yet, rightly handled, money can be a great blessing, and we can be channels of God's blessing to others around us. So when the church gets this right, it has the power to be incredibly powerful for the kingdom of God. But too often we see expressions, don't we, where the church gets that wrong. Maybe they've got a poverty mindset where they're scrimping and saving. They, they won't um, invest in things of quality. Or it flips the other way and you get this prosperity mindset where everything's gold-plated, the toilet seats are gold-plated, and um, it's all about accumulating wealth. When actually, the centrality, centrality of this is what does God want us to do with the kingdom and our position of faith around what, what is he calling us to and then we can channel that money because it's all his. So it's, a, it's coming from the faith, coming from heart. Okay. So in terms of principles around giving and, and handling money, we've already talked about this thing about it's not ours in the first place. It says in the Bible, we come into this world with nothing and we leave it with nothing. So we're stewards for a time. We get to take care of something that God gives to us for a period of time. And we see in, in God a pattern of generosity. You know, John 3.16, he gives his one and only son to us that we might have eternal life. That was sacrificial. It was significant. We see also that Jesus was moved by the woman who came and poured expensive perfume on his feet in a, a moment of worship and surrender and sacrifice. This woman gave everything to please Jesus. And John, right at the start, talked about 2 Corinthians um, again. And there we see how commended the Macedonian church was for their generosity. Even in their hardship and poverty, they chose to give. And it says that they were so privileged to do that. The people were absolutely delighted to do that, even though it was difficult and sacrificial for them. It brought them joy. So we see this pattern of generosity, of sacrificial giving, and um, giving with joy. And that's some of the key principles behind our giving that we, we really want to draw back to. This is a privilege, guys. It's one of the mechanisms God has given us. And um, our need to give is always much, much greater than the need that we're giving into. It's, it's, um, it's so key. He's, he's made the universe that way, um, that, that we would express ourselves in worship and love to him and to others. So God doesn't need our money at all, in any way, shape, or form. And we need to remember that. It's not a financial transaction. This is something of a, an act of love and worship to him, recognizing that he is our source and provider. And um, again, we see Jesus teaching on um, the significance of the value being more about um, the expression of the heart when he talks about the parable of the woman, the widow um, who gave the coin, the penny, into the offering in the temple. And... Um, he compares that, doesn't he, with this what looks like an insignificant amount of money being given to an offering. And then he compares that with the Pharisees who are given a stack load of cash in a really kind of showy manner. And he says, look at what this woman gave. That is so much more than what these hypocrites are given. She's given of her, everything she had in, in a sacrificial way. Um, so it's not about the amount. It's about those things of sacrifice and being led by God and faith um, and obedience to, to give to him. So things to check for us. Are we given from the heart? Or are we 
giving in response to being asked? Do we feel hassled from the front of the church when the offering is announced? Are we feeling to give out of pressure? Or are we really connecting with what God's calling us to do in in this act of giving? You know, I've been um, in churches where people work up an offering. So, um, you know, they spend 10 minutes preaching before the offering happens because they're trying to hype people up into giving more money. And that's completely the opposite of what we believe here at church. You know, when you hear John um, or the other leaders talk about the offering, we say, please don't feel obliged to. Um, because we be- not because we don't take this seriously. We believe giving is so important and an absolute part of our expression. But it, it can never be about trying to manipulate the emotions. Um, it's about our response to him. So we shouldn't be given out of um, a peer pressure just because we see other people giving around us. Um, and we shouldn't be given out of respect of, or to impress people. Absolutely not. Or giving grudgingly. So it was interesting. There was some, some great debate going on there about whether we give and if we're feeling unhappy because money's tight, whether we should be giving. Um, and I, I would sort of flip that on the head and say... That can be the reality. When, when perhaps times are scarce, when money's scarce, we can feel the pressure of that, but that's an opportunity to go back to God and say, God, this is the reality. Um, it feels like there's a lack at the moment, but I'm going to honor you in this. Can you change something in my heart? And again, it gives us that opportunity to go back to the principle of God being our supply, our source. So, things to check. How are we giving? Why are we giving? A little bit more on um, tithes and offerings. So we see um, this principle of the tithe. It's a great pattern established um, right early on in the Bible, and we see it repeated all the way through the story. So we see in uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy um, instructions about giving a tenth of the land and a tenth of our animals and livestock um, and the fruits and, uh, and all those sorts of things. And of course, not many of us are farmers now when we live in a monetary society, so we, we choose to, to give a tenth of our, our monetary um, income. In Deuteronomy 18, it talks about the first share, the best share, giving of the first fruits. And I think that's a really important principle because um, I've heard people get locked into debates about do I give a tenth of, of my money after tax or after expenditure and all those sorts of things. And really this, this principle of honouring God with our first and our best is I think, the thing that we want to come back to because God is our source. That's really, really important, isn't it? Who are we honouring first? Do we pay all our bills first or do we, pay, do we give God um, our, the honour due to him first? So we see this pattern of a tithe. And then, you know, it's not just in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. So if you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, there's lots of weird stuff in, in Leviticus about washing your ears seven times or, or you know, whatever. We see that repeated through. So Nehemiah um, 13, when he talks um, and he gathers the Israelites to rebuild the temple, um, we see that he discovers that the Levites, the priests, um, are not being given the, the tithe. And as a result, they're having to go out into the fields to work and they're not able to do the things that God has called them clearly to do together. And straight away, it says, I went and I confronted the leaders that they were not um, bringing the tithes into the storehouse, in, into God's house, into that place of worship. Um, and it says, once more, the people brought their tithes uh, and offer- offerings. 
So we see that there. We see in Malachi 3, um, 7 to 12, where God talks about, through his prophet, um, people cheating God by not giving um, the, the tithe. And he says, test me. Test me in this. See me as your source. Because if you give, see that I won't bless you as a result. And so we have this promise that God will supply our needs. And that's very, very different, isn't it, to giving to get. So we don't give to get. We never do that prosperity gospel thing of saying, right, if I give more money into the offering, that means I'm going to get more. We give because God calls us to. It's part of our worship and expression to him. And we give generously. And he chooses to bless us, but we don't have a motivation of um, trying to get that money back and suddenly get disappointed perhaps if we don't see a check come in at the end of the month for that extra money that, that you might have given. So we see that all the way through. And then Jesus also commends um, people for tithing when he actually confronts the, the, the Pharisees. So in Matthew 23, 23, um, he talks to, to the um, Pharisees and he says, um, let me bring that up for you actually. So Matthew 23, 23, um, he says, You hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest amounts from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice and mercy and faith. Yes, of course you should tithe, but also don't neglect the more important things. So Jesus is teaching from an expectation that of course we should be doing that. Um, but again, we shouldn't get caught into a legalistic sense of tithing and giving, but it should be part of our expression of worship to him. Okay? So those are a whole bunch of, of things that I've kind of thrown at you pretty quickly, um, and I'm going to have to stop there, but I would really, really encourage you to go back to those teaching notes, um, because as I've done that, I've got a new sense of faith as I've been preparing this to think, okay, so, you know, with my... St- for example, I, I tithe with a standing order, and that can just become something that goes out without me thinking about it. And I actually want to go back to that and use that as an opportunity to say, yes, actually, God, this is, this is part of what I'm giving, um, and I'm wanting to see him lead me in, in a new way around, around giving at this time. Okay, so as Phil mentioned, there's so much material that we have on this that is key that... If, if there's stuff that you want to refresh on, we can make material available. Um, and probably what we do is primarily do that through your group leaders. So talk to your group leaders if you want access material, and then they can contact the office, and we will provide that. Um, okay. Last thing, we've got story time. So here's uh, nine, nine phrases. Uh, Dorothy, come sit up here. And we'll take from the audience. Which story do you want to hear? The gifted car that never arrived. arrived. Okay. What's the story and the value behind that? Okay. So the story behind that is uh, a time when um, we were without a car and without money. Uh, Somebody said, oh, I'm going to give you a car. We thought, oh, that's great. Um, But the circumstances changed. The car never came. Uh, And we had to learn there that we must look always at God the source, not the means. And uh, if we 
take our eyes off God being the source, uh, then and get focused on the means, then things can go seriously wrong. So uh, it was a, an important learning lesson to see that it's God, it's God who supplies. Good. Okay. Um, another story, Heather. What one do you want? I didn't need pine beds. Yeah, um, kind of relates to that question that came up earlier on about whether God just gives supplies needs or sometimes gives luxuries. Uh, we needed beds. Dawn had this idea she really wanted these pine bunks. But they were, uh, we could have got them something, you know, I don't know, cast iron or something like that, cheaper. Uh, but it was just one of those times when then God just uh, sovereignly supplied a need so that he was just demonstrating that uh, he doesn't just give needs. He, he, he loves us and chooses to, to bless us. And uh, by wonderful provision, uh, we got these pine bunks. Okay. Um, and there was, a, there was a backup to that, the healing evangelist that was visiting us, helped me to put them together. So. Okay, any Eureka Age questions? Okay, Gabrielle, which one do you want? Give yourself a pay rise if you're the boss. Okay, we were establishing principles of righteousness against a background of things that weren't quite so as they should be. And uh, when I was... Uh, recognized to take authority, there was uh, one of the other people that were with us at that time said, oh, well, now you can give me a new a rise. We can increase our salary. And uh, I said, no, that won't be happening uh, because we're establishing the principle that we will never make decisions or be involved in decisions on th in things where we have a beneficial interest. So we set up a a separate group to determine those things and that's the way we've continued uh, all the years so that we don't make decisions about things where we have a beneficial interest as part of uh, the integrity that God requires. Good. Okay, well, unfortunately, that's all the uh, question time that we have, story time that we have. Um, is there anything you want to say in conclusion? Uh, yeah, I just, I just mentioned one other thing. Um, that came up in one of the, the scenarios. Uh, the idea of, uh, you know, if we're, in, if we're in need, we go to God, we go to the church. Uh, we have a principle that we've operated on, and that is it's so easy to just throw money at a problem uh, or to seek to resolve something. Oh, here you are, here's some money. We never do that. Uh, we always, if we're needing to help somebody... We always feel that the help is not just the finance, but it's to get alongside and help to see ways to develop and improve uh, the whole financial situation. Uh, it's a bigger deal. It means giving more of self. It means uh, engaging far more than just giving out some money. But it's far more godly than just dealing with something as though it's a financial issue. So that principle, again, is something that we establish and we always always follow. We also seek to say that uh, we never want people excluded 
for financial reasons when we're engaged in doing things together. Of course, part of that is just resolving a particular problem. But as well as teaching on uh, God's heart in terms of the handling of money, we also make provision, uh, and many, many of you have taken this provision, of setting up a, a systems of budgeting. We have a team that's trained to actually help in that so that uh, we, can, we can actually be uh, kingdom managers of money. Uh, rather than just sort of scrabbling through or deciding uh, from other sources. And um, every so often, it's, uh, somebody say to me, hey, I, I got this great system uh, that I've learned about managing money, and it's really working good. And I say, oh, what, what is it? And, uh, of course, it comes back... It's the one that we established um, about 30 years ago. <laughs> so it's working all the way through and round, and uh, many people have been blessed by that. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all the time that we have, but just, um, just a couple of things for you. Um, so during your groups this week, you're going to be looking at this material, um, and it's going to kind of be in two halves. Um, you're going to take some time just to check that you're up to speed on the, on the values. And then the other part of it is going to begin to think, how do we express these values? And how do you practice it as a group to hold each other accountable, to encourage each other, to really find a modern expression of these values? And then when we come back together next week, we won't be doing a presentation like this. We're going to be doing a workshop. So once we figure out how that's going to be, um, that'll be a little bit different next week. Um, now, if any of these issues kind of hit you or, or jumped out to you, there was some time of response. So you might be, you're considering, you know what, my attitude towards money is not about pleasing him. I need to redo my focus and think my money is a tool to please him with. It might be that you have to make that choice to put him first and put your money worries in his hands. <laughs>